Downing, Downing tees it into the box and there's a host of people going for it. Kadra heads it down, Hasselbank edge of the area goes down, no free kick is given. Jimmy's still on the floor, it's, but here's Stewie Downing. Downing there, Downing running beyond the fullback. Whips a great looking ball in, header, goal! Welcome back everybody to Middlesbrough Podcast. I'm your host Hamilton. Today, fortunate enough to be joined by it's Greg. And Brad, unfortunately, uh, we decided to tag team this episode, so he'll appear a little bit later on. We put him on bench uh, for the evening and, and called up a lad from the academy, everybody's favorite guest host, Stephen Lemons. Stephen, how's it going? It's going great. I feel glad to be back. You know, just like you said, an academy prospect that gets called up to the bench every once in a while. Love to hear it. I know. And <laughs> a, a married man now. How, does, how, is, how is marriage? It's great, you know. Um, what is it? How many days has it been? Almost a full week now. Yeah, we got married on Saturday, and it was a great small event. Ham, I hope you had a good time. Me and Ham were having a great time on the dance floor. Uh, yes, but... did did pick up an injury um, <laughs> <laughs> on my uh, I was I, my shoes. They were so slippery, right? And I was trying to get down. And, uh, well, I certainly got down. You literally got down. You literally, literally got, down. got down. You know, Ham picked up a, a knock early on, but, you know, he played through it. And yeah, true team player. You just have to keep playing through the pain on the cup final. Definitely, definitely. You know, the physio said, you know, maybe it's time for you to take, a, take some time out. And I said, no, thank you. And I continued on. I asked for my, my Gatorade of the evening and continued. So... I was going to say that uh, that alcohol definitely numbs the pain. Yeah, you know it was it was actually I think a pretty graceful fall. Um, I like <laughs> completely backwards, but as I did, I put myself into a coffin, and my head didn't hit the concrete. <laughs> I just like fell down, and thankfully nobody really noticed. I don't think. Uh, no, nope, nobody noticed, and you know the misses. Ham's misses thought about you know trying to provide that assist with a catch and then realized it was too much of a burden. So she did. She thought about Very it. But... <laughs> she was like, "No, nah, I'll be all right." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, welcome back to the pod, Stephen. Greg, great to hear you again. Hopefully, work and everything is going well. Yes. Yeah, good to be back, and I appreciate uh, trying to reorganize some of the stuff through work. It's been pretty, pretty hectic. Not all, not all we signed up for, but uh, we've got to we've got to deliver because once you're on there, you you know, once you're on the pitch, you can't you can't come off early. So, like you say, it's been pretty hectic the last few weeks, but it seems like we're kind of to the end now. So it's going to be a bit of a bit of a respite, and you know, moving through to the uh, FA Cup break here in the next couple of days so we'll have a little bit of time off to think about stuff that's going on so it's uh yeah we're, we're back on back on on board so thanks for having yes. me back and oh good to get definitely back definitely glad and and to you the listener thank you for tuning in we appreciate it um if you're going through anything right now you'll get through it we're here to support you lads let's talk definitely a little bit um about our our recent performances i'd like to begin with that uh 1-0 defeat at home against Birmingham. What in Sam's hell actually happened? Mm. Yeah, bit of a bit of a strange one, but um, I think it was one of those games whereby we'd beaten them, you know, by three goals, 4-1, one, 
you know, last time we played them and maybe we were, you know, thinking it was going to be an easy game again. And, you know, unfortunately, when you when you score or you don't score against Karanka's teams and you go one goal down, it's sometimes, you know, can be a bit of a be a bit of an issue. So I think we just notched that one up to um, just a, a blip. Um, and, you know, we didn't play any games um, after the, the Cup fight. Oh, sorry, after the, the FA Cup game before we obviously lost the... The Rotherham game um, to to COVID, and then obviously the FA Cup game, and then obviously we couldn't train for a period of days. So I think you know, not a big deal in my opinion, um, given the fact that we did quite well last night. And what Tuesday was it? Tuesday? It was last, last night. night. It was last night. Roll. Yeah, it was last night. Okay, so yeah, so obviously you know, bouncing back there, we're, we're, I'm not concerned. But like you say, you know, Warnock came out and said you know we were probably bullied into the game and unsettled and you know just need to be more professional um kind of called out the strikers a little bit which you know to me kind of is again sometimes good my management especially if they step up the next game which Brit was playing his ex-club and you know stepped up so I think you know like you say it's just lack of you know preparation um so we'll see it's not a big deal I don't think but you know. Steven, I, I have a question and, and, you know, a little bit of an outside perspective here, but somebody who's kind of in the know and, and I'm beginning to, to notice a trend, right? Burrow will um, at times drop points against lesser competition. Why do you think, you know, that is and was there anything you noticed in, in you know, the Birmingham um, match that you think is worth noting? Yeah, and I think Greg had hit the nail on the head, kind of talked about the break that Burrow had with the COVID and the FA Cup loss and not playing the Rotherham game. I think Neil tried to do a little bit of rotation and just obviously tactical-wise, he might have lost this battle. One thing I did notice was kind of on our on Burrow's left side, um, the lack of defensive support from Brown. No, Johnson, sorry. Um yeah. I just feel like Bola constantly was having to double mark Sanchez and Colin, and that led to their first goal. Um, so I wonder if, you know, having either Watmore or Tavernier out there on that side provides a little bit more defensive support. Another tactical thing I think that I noticed was um, the three center mids. Who It was hard for me to tell who was holding – right in front of the defenders that game. I think with Morsi, Wing, and Saville, Saville's been proven this season, like we talked about the last time I was on the pod, to kind of get up into the attack a right. lot. Um, and I think, as we saw against Forrest, which we'll get into, um, Housen really allowed Saville and Morsi to play. He provided that security in the middle of the park. So those were kind of the two biggest things that I kind of noticed from that Birmingham game. I'd love to hear what you guys found on top of that. For me, it just, it just, um, first off, I'm a very superstitious person. And I've watched two matches on ESPN Plus for Borough this season, and both have been 1 0 losses. The first being um, that game against Watford and now against Birmingham. All that is to say, I will not be watching on ESPN Plus anymore. <laughs> um, but I think my biggest takeaway um, from this match and and from this this competition, I think the lack of preparation definitely impaired our judgment um, on this one. And I think you can kind of tell by the way Neil decided to to, to just really put Chuba, um, Tav, and, and really Johnson in those attacking positions. I feel like there's not enough support, like you mentioned, in that midfield to really um, either 
accelerate the attack. Um, uh, Morsi obviously can get in and disrupt, and George Civil, I think, is a pretty good distributor of the ball. Um, however, you know, I felt like with Lewis Wing getting on the field, it kind of showed that we didn't have the necessary experience that we need um, really in our, in our attacking half, right, to, to really advance that agenda, um, especially when you're not going to bring on at least another striker or another forward like uh, Britt. Um, or Watmore for that match. And I, and I know Johnson does have uh, some beautiful, beautiful skills with the ball. I just think we kind of set ourselves up to play timid. And I think part of that is because, you know, that 4-1 win with a, with, a, with a lineup that is somewhat similar, you know, you probably imagine, okay, Birmingham not having a great run of form right now. We've got a chance, you know, to take it to him at home. And we just honestly fell flat. Um, Definitely Bola covering for the defense. And I, and I think, you know, as you mentioned for the, for the Forest game, allowing Housen to really um, kind of be that experienced player that's able to bear the weight in the middle of the pitch, not only in attacking, but also defending, I think helps a lot. Yeah, and I think, you know, ultimately – you know, the lineups kind of say, you know, a lot about kind of how, how they're going to set up. So, I mean, you want to call it a 4-3-2 four, a four, or a 4-3-3, three, three, four, three, you know, however, however you want to say. But I think ultimately, like you say, Stephen, the, the the kind of midfield three or the midfield two with, you know, maybe his wing getting forward a little bit more than Savile and, you know, Tab coming inside and Johnson offering, you know, additional width. But, um it just wasn't wasn't to be on the day, and I think overall the you know the the stats were pretty similar. You know we had very similar possession, very similar goals, very similar shots on target, shots off target. So I think it could have gone either way, um, and maybe Birmingham just wanted it more. And you know their their form hasn't been great. Um, you know we'd won the last four games that we'd played at home, um, going all the way back to um, twenty twenty uh, the derby game. Um, obviously lost at Norwich the previous game. So we've been on a good streak, but, you know, Birmingham had done too, too badly away from home. They'd beaten Reading, drew a, a Forest, lost a close game to Cardiff um, away. So that, I think their away form's actually been slightly better than their home form. So, you know, if anything, you know, that was potentially a, a bit of a banana skin. And unfortunately, we did just, we just slipped up on, on the day. So, um, you know, nothing, I don't think to read too much into it. Um, and, you know, they're not a they're not a bad right. team. They just I think they just had some some you know pretty bad results. Um, Losses are going to happen, and you know you can't if you could pick and choose where where they come. I don't know if this is one that I would choose, but you know they happen and and we pick up, we go again, and and kind of transitioning to um, yesterday's match against Forest, the team. Um, a little bit different. We had Britt, Asambalanga, and Watmore up top, which I think definitely helped Britt notching a goal with a quite um, cheeky finish in the 14th minute. Y'all, what did you guys think of this 2-1 uh, Burra and Hamilton prediction victory? That's right. <laughs> yeah, you you got it right, Ham. You know, Greg and I were together with the 1-1 one, one. Um, going into this match, I thought. I don't know. It, it looked like a 1-1 to me, and I was glad I was wrong. But Britt looked good. Uh, and I think Neil was quoted by saying, you know, he just wants more consistency from him. 
And I th- definitely feel like Britt's that player where he's either going to have a hot game and then two off or two hot games and three off. You, you never really know what you're going to get from him. But um, I just, if you don't mind transitioning straight into Housen coming into this team, go for it. I think he provided, yeah, he provided that security, like I was saying earlier on, for Morsi and Savile. And I've always been a fan of having kind of like that no-nonsense defender, or sorry, center mid, who's going to allow the players around them to play and feel confident and really just kind of sit back. And I definitely think Housen came into this game and provided that. Um, it was funny, the uh, Forest fans were not happy with their um, attacking mid, Cafu. They were roasting him for just being in Housen's pocket the entire the entire game. So I think him coming in, as well as Watmore coming in, was great. And then Britt, just his hold-up play was fantastic this game. But we need that consistency. Yeah, it's very very frustrating. I think we've talked about it on this pod, you know, every other week. It, it's the same, you know, it's the same guy keeps coming up as like, you know, the player who kind of most disappoints. But I think, you know, like you say about Johnny Harrison, he was he was a class act and I think, you know, essentially it was the same the same team, you know, by you know, Bar Asamblonger and Harrison coming in and, and Wing and uh and, and Truba dropped to the bench. Um you know, to give Johnny Harrison is, is props. He's been excellent this season and I think he's been kind of understated a little bit. Um, but it just kind of showed you, you know, when he can get it on the ball, you know, he was good going forward. He was good in defense. You know, he, he moved the ball around the park and, you know, gives that flexibility to the team so that, you know, what more can come inside and Savile can push up, you know, like he did for the goal. Um, you know, Tav can kind of rotate in and then around Sam Morsi and give um, Dyke Steele some protection. And what more, you know, I think the energy that, you know, what more and Tav um, and, and Savile bring to the midfield, it kind of, you know, geez everybody up and makes them kind of want to work really hard. Um, and when you've got that kind of high level of intensity, we've seen it before from some of the big Premier League teams, um, you know, with, with Liverpool and, and Leeds to a certain extent, you know, they, they play with a very high press and they play up with a lot of pressure and get in your face and they turn the ball around really quickly. Um and it just gives everybody that that comfort that comfort that you know if we do lose the ball we're going to be able to get it back quickly and turn you know defense into attack and I think you know probably two one you know I think the game on paper looks a lot closer than it was I think we you know deserved uh, uh, probably deserved a goal you know when when Brits had a kick oh, back man. off the off the post and then hit the keeper in the back of the head mm. and went over the bar I was like is that was like crazy to see um, and obviously they they scored right at the end and then you know. They had a, a man sent off, you know, yes. in like ninety fifth minutes. Ninety plus. So, um, I literally, yeah. So, I have that in my notes. I have no idea what that left back was doing. To, it was ridiculous. Think, yeah, I think after the he he probably he was asking for it the whole game. I think he was he was you know just being a niggly presence on the pitch, and it wasn't surprising that I think he kind of. He squared up to somebody at some point in, in the game as well, and and I think he was kind of you know lucky to stay on the pitch. So, you know that sort of level of of you know lack of discipline will really hurt you. And when you when the season's not going well like it is for Forest at the moment, you know those things really you know as a manager really annoy you. So, um, you know Chris Hewton's got a real a real tough job you yeah. know, cut out for him. But Absolutely. there's probably other teams. Yeah, there's other teams in the league that. Are, you know, struggling as well. You know, Wickham, Sheffield, and 
Rotherham, Derby, Birmingham, Coventry, all the way up to probably Millwall and even Cardiff. So um, it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be another dogfight again this season. And I think with everything that's going on around the country and you know all the lockdowns and all the other, you know the, the increases in cases and stuff, I think teams are just going to have to do what they need to do to stay up. And if that's you know being nasty and mean and getting players sent off, but I don't think that's the way to go. So we'll just see how it works out. Yeah, I didn't really understand what was going on, but as you're guest Palace fan here on the pod. I enjoyed seeing some ex-Brighton players losing this match, you know, because... Oh, yeah, knockout. knockout and then um, Bong. And then Chris Hooten, while I do like him, has a manager he did used to coach Brighton. But I'm, I'm just going into kind of Nottingham Forest. They have two strikers that I really don't rate. I don't know how you feel about them, Greg and Ham, but like Graben and Kyle Taylor, I have never been really big fans of those two. And for some reason, their names are always in the news. I just don't think they're great strikers, but that's just, I don't know. Lewis Graben scores a lot of goals. I, whatever. I don't like his attitude. And then I just Lyle Taylor. I just don't think he's a great um, striker. Lewis <laughs> Graben for yeah. me, if he was at our club and Britt Asambalanga wasn't, he would be my Britt Asambalanga. Um, and you know, fortunately, I feel like we were able to kind of see into his style of play, uh, via that Netflix documentary that, that followed the folks, um, nearby, but, uh, a, a division below. Yeah. He's a, he's a former Mackham. So he kind of left them, you know, left them in a, in a lurch. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately he's one of those players who, you know, maybe he's not going to be, not going to be trustworthy. No, so. it's, uh. His he he is condemned to the championship. Uh, that is, he will probably help people get promoted. Potentially, it depends. Like last season, he had a really good year. This season, he is not. He is not yeah, having he a good year. But he also, I'm pretty sure he was injured earlier on. So you know, I, I think it is um, players like him and Britt, you know, and and Chuba. Um, really all are in flux, you know, in one game they could play out of their absolute minds. And then other games, you're just like, this has got to be, you know, worse than Hamilton Saturday morning kicking around in Columbia. Uh, that's, uh, you know, <laughs> now obviously not that bad, maybe, maybe a step above, but all that is to say um, those types of players, you don't necessarily want on your team sheet when they're doing terribly, but if they're in a good run of form, they're good to have, but that's the thing, right? You don't know when that's going to come and go. So like for Brit, you know, when I was thinking about the prediction, the two, one, three names came across my mind. It, I went Watmore first. Then I thought Asambalanga would get one. And then I, for some reason I thought George, but I ended up saying two, one, which was correct. I never tweeted those out or texted anybody about them, but those were the three names um, that, that kind of came into my mind. And I, and I felt like our players really performed this match. I was, I was happy uh, for them, Bolo had a beautiful shot in the second half of the game. I so upset it didn't go in for him. Um, how that header was insane by Britt to not go in. I've never, I've never seen anything like that before. And, and you know, sometimes you'll get a header and it goes against the bar and then it comes off the back of the keeper and goes in. But the, the keeper didn't know where the ball was, it just he was just turning around and yep. You know, if that would have gone in, that's 2-0. Um, you know, and then 
you know, you get that third goal and, you know, it's a rout essentially, you know, anything, I think anytime you score more than two goals without a reply and you score a third goal, I mean, that's a, that's a beating, you know, from a football standpoint, there's not usually a huge amount of games where you get beat, you know, four or five nil, but, you know, three goals is a, is a resounding victory, um, you know, so you had a much better team. So I think it could have been a lot, a lot rosier, um, but again, we're just knocking on that, that sixth place spot. We're just trying to, trying to weasel our way in above uh, above Bournemouth and you know essentially you look at all the clubs who are above us you know Norwich just came down Swansea were up there a couple of years ago same as us Brentford should have probably got promoted last season Watford just got relegated Reading you know they've been strong all season and Bournemouth just got relegated so you know look at the teams who are kind of below us you know Huddersfields and Cardiffs and um, you know QPR to a certain extent you know we're, we're definitely kind of you know punching above our weight a little bit but it, it didn't seem surprising I think this is kind of what, what we said didn't we we were going to be there or thereabouts at the end of the season and halfway through the season we're, we're right where we should be I think um, you know I think Norwich are going to run away with the division but um, you know I think it's, it's going to be in the second half of the a season. race to the finish it's pretty dangerous where we're at um, I think we need to like start rattling off wins and it's not like we aren't but if you look you know at the Google championship right it's it's green check mark red x green check mark red x green check mark that's gonna need to start being green check mark yeah well we haven't drawn Holy a game Toledo. you know the last time we drew was born no brentford away we drew nil nil mm-hmm. uh, and that was back in the middle of november i think so it's been win or loss so you know if we can notch a couple of those draws or sorry losses uh, especially in away games as draws and keep winning our home games that, you know, that's, you know, you, you get yourself a nice average there and that's the kind of, you know, I think two points, a, two points a game will get you promoted. Um, it's a tough ask, but it's I was there to do. Uh, go so. ahead, Stephen. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, looking, looking forward with Blackburn. Yeah, Blackburn next. Rotherham, those are two games that some results need to come out. And they're both at home, too. So get, I think it's yep. really important just to get that home form back. Um, back yeah, well, but, but the, Brighton, uh, sorry, the uh, Blackburn game is against uh, our former uh, manager, Tony Mowbray, um, club club legend, club hero, uh, local local boy, local lad, whatever you want to say. And uh, I think Stuart Downing's <laughs> back on, on, uh, yeah, on their books again. Um and then I think they've got a couple of other uh, players who've who've signed and played for us at, at different points in time as oh well. Oh my so gosh! It's a bit of a, is Ainsley Pears playing for them still? So. I mean, obviously he's definitely on the club, he but like still is, is in the match. I don't know if he's been playing. It, it does not appear. Yeah, and then Harry Harry Chapman, he's been playing there. I think he's gone out on loan to somebody else though because he's been injured a few times. But he was a good potential up and coming prospect, and you know, there's been. There's been some players. Um, Danny Graham was there for a while. You know, back in the day, you guys probably won't even know who that is, but um, it's become kind of a little bit of incestuous relationship with with Blackburn. A lot of different players have gone to play for them. So maybe it's because of Mowbray and the the link to the to the area. He kind of knows the squad a little bit better than some of the others. So Danny yeah. Ayal is there, obviously. Um, I think he's on his mid-season break at the moment, so I think he's uh, he's probably not going to play. Um, but yeah, it's you know interesting. Um, we'll see how it goes. 
I think they have a – isn't their striker pretty high scoring this season? He's, Adam Armstrong? No, you're correct, but I'm pretty sure he's yeah, streaky. He's, yeah. Like he'll he'll have a dry spell yeah. and then he'll rattle off like three or four. Oh, they have Jack Rothwell. And Bradley Dak just returning from injury. The Dak is Gerald back. Rothwell, sorry. Yeah, Brad Dak's back, yeah. Yeah, he can yeah, – so Armstrong's got 16 goals this season. Um, which is exactly the same number of goals he scored last year, but he's played basically half the number of games, so he's mm. he's it's pretty doing pretty well. Yeah, they. Um, it looks like they have. Um, they're a very streaky team. I mean, there's a lot of names. I mean, they've got Harvey Elliott, the what is he, eighteen, seventeen year old now? The, he was at Fulham and then Liverpool. Um, Lewis Holtby, I recognize that name from the Bundesliga. Yeah, he was a good. In. Yeah, he was a good player in, in Germany. And then all, and then and then, like you said, Greg, old Father Time, Stuart Downing, <laughs> still kicking. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I can't believe he's still playing. <laughs> and ba- they got Barry Douglas as well. I mean, yeah. Barry Douglas was, was a really good player for Leeds, and then was at Wolves in their Championship winning season. Um, I think he's kind of found his level, but um, he's played you know some games this season. So I mean. They're not a bad, not a bad squad. Their squad's actually really big, but I think everybody's squad's really big apart from ours. Um, for some reason, it seems like our squad is like the smallest. As, the as it, as it should um, be. But it seems like it's. There's no other way to do yeah, it. Yeah, you know, this is Mrs. if we Doubt... if we had. That's right, Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> keeping the boys real. Hard well, I think now's a great time um, to allow Brad to kind of talk about his thoughts on the match, um, and then we're going to cut to a quick break, folks. So stay tuned. Well, Brad, uh, thank you for, for spending some time speaking to us this week. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on that win against Nottingham Forest. 2-1, you know, goals coming from, uh, oh, my goodness, Britt. I saw him <laughs> along, finding, you know, how to search my brain for that name and, and George. Right. What did you think of the team's performance? Um, you know, he wasn't on the score sheet, but Johnny Housen, man, that guy had one heck of a game today. Uh, I mean, by far... Uh, top player on the field today for the Borough. Uh, fantastic uh, feed into Britt, who may or may not have possibly squeaked an, an offside there. I couldn't tell from the angles. They were the uh, the the uh, the partial Nottingham Forest uh, announcers on the on the feed uh, definitely felt like they got cheated on an offsides, but whatever. Um, you know, good old Britt uh, taking a taking a nice easy finish and making it a little scary trying to put it between the keeper's legs luckily enough it went um but you know nothing nothing can be too nice because uh, if you start asking for too much then you end up like his second attempt and he whiffs a wide open header off the post and the head of the goalkeeper but you know <laughs> can't ask for too much hey. execution now you know at least he at least he buried that one shot right at least he buried that's that one that that is for sure that was the nine times out of ten that's probably going over the bar probably going over the bar um no, you know it's it's good to see good to see him getting an early too. I mean the the borough always does well when we when we get an early one too. Um, that's usually you know I think it was fifteenth twentieth minute somewhere around there. Uh, it was nice nice and early for us, so that was a good little boost. And you know Sam Morrissey picked up an early yellow and played throughout the rest of the game and uh, thought he thought he played pretty well considering the fact that he was kind of. Um, Toeing the line a little bit. I mean, he's he's obviously a bit more of a physical player. That's just his play style. He gets he gets up under the chest of some guys and really lets them have it. But um, right, you know. well, you 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 highlighted um, his counterpart a little earlier, and I want to ask you a bit more. 
um, about it. What impressed you today with Johnny Housen, you know, returning back? Oh man, I mean, he was he was all over the pitch. That guy was that guy was everywhere, and I mean, he he was busting his butt to get there to the ball on offense, and he was working his way around. I mean, the dude's motor didn't stop. Um, I mean, he he wanted to be a part of every single bit of action on that field, and he was constantly looking for ways to uh, reset and get in a better position, put someone else in a great position, i.e. the Brit goal. I mean, like, his 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 run on the Brit goal was, was fantastic. I mean, just a great quick move, nice easy ground pass into open space, pass the center back, and boom. Um, Brit just has to do the easy part. Uh, but, you know, I mean, he just... Yeah, I mean, it's it's something you look at and you're like, wow, that's that's the motor we've been missing while he's been gone, um, and we really have. I mean, as since he's been out, we haven't had that, and it's been it's been hard to find. You know, we've been counting on people on the wings for those kinds of things, but I mean, our team really does excel when it's the people like George Saville and Johnny Housen and Sam Morsey who are able to really just lock down that midfield, and they did. Um, it looked really strong today. Um, right, and 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 I think kind of this hits off of something you were speaking about earlier on this season. You know about generating our offense from like the center mm-hmm. of the pitch and, yeah. and using that space a lot more than the outside third. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's exactly what we did today. I mean, George Savile went, and uh, I only saw the back half of it. And I looked away from the stream and managed to see him win a one-on-one with the goalkeeper. Didn't quite see how he ended up with it, but, um, I mean, you love to see that, a midfielder going and winning a one-on-one, so good for him. Um, and then even even Tav had a couple runs where, where he brought it up the wing and made a great move, got inside, was halfway into the box and ripped a shot right at the goalkeeper, but, I mean... That's a great. That's a great look because now he instead of swinging a ball into a side that's not that great at getting on headers, you've got a guy coming in and taking a 12, 15 yard shot, uh, which is way higher chance of success than people that regularly haven't connected with headers, uh, connecting right. with a, a ball in. Um, Definitely. So I mean, I, just just seeing just seeing the types of chances they were taking was extremely encouraging. I mean that that tavernier shot from I don't know it was early it was first five or ten minutes I felt like uh, he he got in and did that and I mean that just kind of they were they were on the gas the whole game it felt like we were we were chomping at the bit to get in that goal um, and so it was I think that's definitely um, exciting to hear yeah it absolutely it's I mean it's reassuring following the recent form of one off one on one off one on and. You know, I mean, today, today, like, obviously we haven't broken it yet, but today kind of felt like, okay, you know, like, we were consistent, you know. This wasn't this wasn't a one-off performance where we had a couple breakout guys. Like, yeah, you could argue Britt had a breakout day because he put one in the net. Um, he gets paid enough money where I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that's a breakout day. I just say that's him doing his job. Um, yes, uh, agreed. So, I mean, and George Saville, I mean... The, I just I come back to our midfield. Our midfield held us together this game. Um, it was it was fantastic in the midfield. Tavernier did really well. He had that whole right side of the pitch uh, on the attacking third just flustered. Uh, their defenders were fouling him left and right throughout the first half, and he he forced one of their guys into a yellow. And then um, who wasn't in the 90th minute stoppage time ended up getting himself kicked off the field. I mean that dude. That dude couldn't hang. He was he was busted. His his brain had been absolutely 
just shattered by the Burrow offensive, and uh, all the mind games came came to fruition, and he just he couldn't hang anymore, and all of a sudden just popped his top and let him have it, and kind of started flanning a little bit, and I don't know if they got the right guy on the call, but he was definitely the most uh, vocal of the two uh, when Britt kind of sold a, an elbow to cheek and got someone sent off, but... You know, it was it's it's great watching your team be so good that they mentally destroy the like um, the the fortitude, the discipline of the other team. I mean, they literally couldn't hang because our attacking was so good. Like we were just tearing them apart, and they're like they were they're falling apart. <laughs> that is. What we love to hear. We do love to Literally, hear. Literally, you know, it's it can be one thing when it's two teams playing one another, but when it's two teams playing one another, and then another, and then that one of those teams playing themselves, right? As well, right. You know, you're adding like in a complete another dimension. Right. Game, Absolutely. I think, I, I think Neil War uh, a Neil Warnock team really thrives. Oh, it's uh, a it's a big games. it's a big war daddy mood. You know, I mean, he's he's all about being vocal letting people have it. I mean, he's always jeering at the refs. He's trying to get in their heads. I mean, he's he's all about the mental fortitude and being of strong mind and winning there and then winning on the pitch, you know. Um, and that's that's where he's always like, just give me 100% effort. I want to see you giving me all your effort out there and leaving it all out there. If you can do that, everything else will follow. And I that's what we saw today. Couldn't have said it better myself. Brad, just wanted to say thank you. Uh, for taking the time this week to to be able to hang out with us. I know our schedules don't always align, but I appreciate it. Oh, you know, time zones, you make it work. Time zones, that's the truth. That is the truth. Next week, we'll all be back together. Yes, sir. I can feel it. I can feel it. All righty, sir. In my bones. Take care. Out the burrow. everybody guys you ever get that that nick you know that hit that fall at your friend's wedding let's talk about the injury bug <laughs> uh, i feel like i feel like with with marcus yeah. brown unfortunately getting injured um and it and it seems like he's going to have to have surgery on his crucial ligament cruciate ligament excuse me it is it's also crucial to Puns. performance. Snap, snap. Good one there. <sighs> Love it. Thanks. Dad, dad joke. That being said, I, I, I am curious on, on your thoughts because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose this question to you. We understand Neil's a very physical um, manager. Do our players play recklessly or do we ask too much of them when they're out on the pitch? that put them in situations where they end up hmm. being. I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's just wear and tear for the season, isn't it? And I think, you know, the Marcus Brown injury is an unfortunate one. I think, you know, to that, that in and out, you know, 
popping motion can happen to anybody if you play, you know, enough soccer and football and basketball, you know, it's a certain there's certain expectations about doing cruciate ligaments in, in those sports. I think over over and above any other sport, it seems like that cruciate ligament is something that always gets um gets damaged. Um so I don't I don't think it's reckless. I think, you know, we play a pretty pretty intense, you know, pretty intense football at times, but I think we've done really well this season with injuries in all honesty. I think it's just unfortunate. We've had, you know, really long term injuries with the players we've had out with, you know, Grant Hall, who looked like he was carrying a bit of extra a bit of extra weight, so that might explain some of the, the, the issues he had. Speaking as a as a husky gentleman myself, I know that sometimes you can uh you can injure yourself not doing anything because you are a bit on the larger side, but um, you know, Fletcher's injury was unfortunate. I mean, that was what the second game of the season, so we're already six months through and you know, if Marcus Brown's gonna be out now, that's you know, three, you know, long term injuries where we haven't really been able to kind of see the best of the players yet. So I think all in all we'll we'll be okay. It's just you know, it just seems like the injuries themselves are worse because well, and, it's happened and to thinking fewer, of the squad players. size. Um right. You know, statistically or not even statistically but like yes. percentage wise, mm-hmm. you know you're looking at a large percentage, especially of your attacking players that are getting injured. And, and, you know, when the club is yeah. is in the position that it's in, you know, it's almost like, shoot, our injuries are shooting ourselves in the foot in theory, you know, of, of potentially, you know, squad rotating and finding more goals. But I think, I think Warnock's done a really good job of bringing in some of the players who are kind of, uh, you know, going to be out in the cold. And I think we were all really worried, um, the season Tony Poulos left after that because, you know, we were looking at just a massive, you know, number of players who were going to leave. And we really didn't add a huge amount of additional, you know, additional depth. And I think the players who were out on loan, you know, Dykesdale and Bowler came back in, you know, Marcus Brown had come in and he looked like he was kind of maybe getting a little bit more back into, back into form. And obviously having suffered an injury, you know, Ashley Fletcher was the same. He played some games, but, you know, he'd been in and out of the team a little bit. Um, you know, maybe you know we kind of deride you know Brit as much as we do, but he's been pretty he's been pretty good. He hasn't really suffered many injuries, so you know sometimes a player who is you know maybe he's a little bit hot and cold, like you said, Stephen Streaky. You know, maybe that's the sort of player who you know you kind of put up with him because he's always fit, right? You know, you know you can count on him. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not good to have a ton of squad if they're always getting injured because then you never get a consistent squad and never get you know continuity and consistency with your with your system. So um, I don't know what's your thoughts, Stephen, on that. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you. I just think it's that time of year after the holiday, yeah. after the holiday yeah. games, just squads are picking up injuries. I mean, I see that with Palace now um, losing one of our best utility players, Jeffrey Slup. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, let's look at Wolves for example. They've in the Premier League, they've had to recall um, Gibbs White from Swansea solely because of injuries. Obviously, Raúl Jiménez had that awful injury at Arsenal. Yeah, and I just think you know, seeing three injuries like Burra has, at least they all right. didn't happen at the same time. Yeah. Um, so it's, it it doesn't worry me too much about Burra. Um, and I don't know, maybe just the medical staff is great up there. So, you know, that's always something important to keep in mind with a small squad. Um, and yeah, then, I think uh, they've always had a really good medical staff. You're right. They always have had, um, 
Yeah. So that's a good. That's a good. That's a good expectation. And then just pulling, you know, pulling. I, I guess you look at Burrow and the teams they're putting out, and it's players that you expect to start. It's first team players. You're not seeing your, you know, Neil right. having to force an academy player in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just last game against Forest, I think there's only one Hayden Hackney. That's the only name that I don't really recognize. Y'all as Burrow fans might know a little bit more, but. Yeah, he made his debut against uh, Brentford in the, the FA Cup third round. Okay. Got beat. Yeah. So he came in, but, you know, he's tried to blood in a few of the younger, younger guys, but it was only, you know, this time last year when, you know, we didn't even know half the, half the players that are in the squad right now. So, you know, Bowler wasn't playing and, you know, Paddy McNair was in and out of the squad and um, Dyke Steele was in and out of the squad. Um, Watmore wasn't, you know, here, you know, Tuba wasn't here, um, you know, Marvin Johnson wasn't wasn't really here. He was in and out of the squad. Um, so it's really been refreshing to you know, see Neil coach these guys who obviously have ability. They just weren't getting coached in a in a in a way that was bringing out the best of their ability. So, so my next question, um, thinking about how the squad has, we we've mentioned like the smallness of of the squad. I imagine there's a lot of intimacy um, in that. You know, it's it's a very intricate. Um, dance to to use a term you know to kind of paint a picture here between the manager and and the players and to to further complicate that let's put it in let's let's look at you know uh, our leaders of the line if you will um up front you know what would you say is your ideal partnership in the attacking uh, whether it's an uh, attacking duo um or or a solo who do you want up there and and why That's a great question, Ham. I think I'm going to be the annoying one here. I think it's all tactical, especially for the championship in this squad. I think Neil has done a tremendous job this year figuring out when it's best to play two up front versus three up front. I think if we're going for a front three, I personally like Britt, Tav, and Watmore currently. I think some things potentially could change when Fletcher gets back, but I, I don't know how I feel about Fletcher out on the wing. I've really no, liked Tav. I I've really liked Tav out there, and he he's not a winger. You know, he's yeah, he's a striker. He's a, yeah, he's a striker. He's Percy. Um, he can play behind. Mm-hmm. You know, in like that kind of number ten role. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like you said, I think you know that that four three three or that four three four two three one or four three two one, depending on who we're playing against. Um, I haven't seen anything this season that makes me scared of any teams. Like I don't feel like we've, you know, we just haven't been shown up by anybody. We've never given you know a club an easy ride. You know, give or take. You know, we've we've lost some games where we maybe should have drawn, and we won some games maybe we should have lost. You know, but. I'm not afraid of anybody in the league this year. And I think that's a testament to, to the coaching that Warnock's, you know, carried out. So like you say, I think for me as well, you know, I'd, I'd love to see Ashley Fletcher and Tuba play together um, and see how that works. Similarly, I think they're very similar type players. They're, they're, they're tall, rangy, you know, can get around. Britt's kind of the man you just got to stick up there. And if he's on his game and he wants to play, he's going to, he's going to score goals. But like you say, it's streaky, right? Um, 
Duncan Watmore definitely and and Tav I think he gives you so much energy those two guys on the wings give you so much energy and I think Tav's really kind of showing you know some of his ability now and he's you know really I think really stepping into the the role that you know Neil wants him to play and I think you know he's only going to go from strength to strength absolutely and one more thing him that I'll just throw out there too kind of with Watmore and Tav being out wide I kind of mentioned this last time I was on they don't remind me of Palace when Palace had Zaha and Balassi, but I'm seeing a lot of Watmore and Tav driving inside and maybe even potentially switching wings. So I just think yeah. the unpredictability with having Britt there to hold the ball up um, with his back to the goal and then having those two just bringing a lot of energy, like Greg was saying, switching wings, driving inside, the unpredictability. You don't know if they're going to go inside, outside has really – provide a little bit of a spark in the attack. Yeah, and they're not going to they're not going to be like traditional wingers where they, you know, they they dribble past the man and they get to the byline and then they, you know, they cross a ball into the box, you know, like the old school, you know, 442 days, you know, where you had like a big striker and then you had kind of a smaller guy, you know, feeding off the scraps. You know, it, the the game's changed a lot now and you know, like you said, you've got those kind of inside forwards, you know, Blassi and and Zaha with, you know, the comparisons to Watmore and uh, and and Fletch and and Tav uh, running off the wings and they the most of the the goals nowadays they kind of come from you know within the eighteen yard box area you know there's not a lot of you know headed goals scored you know by and large you know there'll be some corners and stuff but you know that's kind of the game that we're playing so I think you're going to see that a lot more um, you know and then you've got kind of you know Sav and Morsi who can step into midfield and pick up the pieces with you know Johnny House and provide an additional support. Um, you know, I think everything's working pretty well. We're pretty tight at the back. You know, we're 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 doing a lot better this season defensively than we were last year. Um, and I think again, that's just testament to everything else that you know Warnock's doing. Um, given the fact that you know he's not got a lot of pieces to work with, maybe that's actually helping us because we're not having to manage you know a lot of. I think for me, um, the one player that I would like to see featured. Uh, I feel like when Duncan Watmore is on the field, play seems a lot more active. Um, I feel like with him up front, he, and I, yeah. I mean, I was watching some, I was rewatching some of the highlights of, of that forest game. I feel like that guy doesn't quit running when he's on the pitch. And I think that is what this club needs um, in order to get others out down the line and, and buy into that same mentality I would love to see him play uh, with Fletcher in the middle and then Tav on the right. Um, I think, you know, we'd really be able to unlock um, a lot. Folks, question for you back at home. Who is your most desired, you know, top two, top three? Tweet at us at Middlesbrough Pod and please let us know what you think. Boys, do you hear that? It is, it is faint. Mean? It's a little bit faint. Could be the water in my apartment. No, no, no. It's turning. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a big, you know, as they say, <laughs> big wheels keep on turning. Oh, shoot. It's the rumor mill. That's right. Ding, 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 What? We're going to have to get a little, uh, we're going to have to get some oh, sort of jingle I, for the rumor mill. I, I think you coined it. You coined it, definitely. Oh, no. I think, I think maybe him, you should contact AFTV and get Robbie <laughs> right. Sign some players. You know, 
that should start off the rumor mill. <laughs> it's time uh, to go. Yeah, that's you know that not a bad, not a bad thought, there, Steve. <laughs> I do enjoy, I do enjoy that, and you know, I do have a endearing love for AFTV, America's funniest TV videos. <laughs> um, what has gone on in our rumor mill with transfers, lads? Anything? I haven't heard a lot about Yannick, and Neil says he wants to bring a winger in. However, he has not spoken with him. I think I saw a tweet that said it's not looking great for that situation. I know last time I was here, I was hyping him up as a previous Palace player. I mean, that's how he got his name out there with Palace. got that move to Everton, but I don't know. Don't know if that's going to go through. I would love it, but it's not looking great. No, and I think it's one of those where it's like, hey, you know, we we're looking at players who we've been linked at in the past because you know that's that seems to be a common you know common denominator, doesn't it? But you know, I think it sounds like you know the the moves a long way off, and it seems like it was you know something that should have happened at the end of the last open you know the last transfer window when it was closed. It, we missed the deal, so. Um, he did say that they've already agreed, um, basically in in principle with a Premier League club striker, winger who can essential striker. I want to say uh, a striker. Mm. Yeah, who's to say? So, you know, it's hey, it could be. It might be. It could I don't. Be I don't think it's here. Yannick. I, I, for some reason, I I was yeah, seeing I the name Aston Villa yeah. up here. But I don't know if there's any merit to that. Hmm. I have no idea who that could be either. Uh, honestly, there's so, there's too many. Like I was thinking of like looking at players who currently aren't in the like the 23 months. Oh my squads. gosh, Ozil. To see if there's any names. Ozil Cabrera. Yeah, but... In a three-way trade. Yeah, with oh, it's going to be Ozil. Barquez, yeah, it's Ozil. Yeah. Know. Even though I think he. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Fred Butcher. Yeah, so. Um, you know, just it's it's the it way the, it is, it's the right? way it's it's, it's, it's the art of the deal, one, so, the way the market. Um, you know, you win some, you lose some. We we lost a striker last week, Neil said, uh, but he did promise he will bring in a wide player uh, before the window closes. So I'm expecting not only a player who can play out wide, but somebody with a large body frame. Yeah, maybe we'll see. I mean, I know that. Um, this would be not a good good signing personally, but I know um, Christian Atsu, who who's at Newcastle. Yeah. Um, he's he's a winger who I'm, I don't think I've seen him play as a striker, but that's not to say that he hasn't played as a striker before. But that was the only player that kind of sprung to mind, you know. But maybe it could be him. It might be somebody else. I just don't know. I know we've been in for. Um, the, the Moroccan guy who plays for Southampton and his name is Oh no way at, um, um, Celtic now so that was El I think his name um Mohamed El Celtic oh no you're that's who that is who you're talking about ow yeah he is Norwegian I think he's I think he's Norwegian He's Norwegian, but I, was I think he's like of, Moroccan <laughs> born. Oh my gosh! They like sent that, so. they sent a player right. to Celta Vigo. Um, oh my gosh, he had that beautiful goal against West Brom two years ago. Way better than Suns. I'm trying to think of it. 
I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. It'll come to you at the end. You know what may also visit us at the end of the podcast? Neil Harris, out of a job. I mean, I'll I'll say it. Gone. Dougie Hauser. The Bluebird. (laughs) Oh, that's Neil Patrick Harris, isn't it? I apologize. How I met your... uh... (laughs) How I met your manager. Oh, how I yep. How I met so your the, So the Bluebirds, twelve points from playoffs. How far have they fallen in their flight? What is going on with Cardiff, y'all? I don't know. Yeah. That's a that's an interesting question. Um, Neil Warnock's not manager anymore. That's, that's right. Mm-hmm. Cardiff is. I don't know. Cardiff is just an interesting club to me. They just have their up, down, middle, sideways. Never can never read where the bluebirds are going to fly next. Where the, where the winds will blow. Ooh, good one. Um. It's... <laughs> I do know. Shocking. I do know that Cardiff just brought in an infamous player, um, Harry Ng, <laughs> with the last name is literally Ng, from. Mm-ga. Yep. Mm-hmm. Perry yeah. NG, yep. So he's uh now gonna help them out in the de- defense, but yeah, I don't know. But that's an interesting name that's gonna be out there as a coaching prospect for the next club who might want to take a bite. Interesting, like the, the the inside truck. Yeah, so they've lost uh one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, one. So they've lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games out of the last eight um having you know that sort of that sort of run is really gonna put pressure on you and um i don't know there's not a huge amount of uh not a huge amount of of you know managers out there i don't think i mean they've kind of chopped and changed a little bit um you know just interested to see who they'll, they'll you know get in next. you've got to think um, that that club uh is turning over a lot of things in the locker room when you've signed a five million dollar or five million pound player uh, on loan and, and you aren't pushing striker. Uh, yeah. You know, if this was Watford, oh yeah, oh goodness, it's uh, two sackings would have occurred. You'd already been, been sacked, sacked, then rehired, then sacked again. <laughs> All right, well, so I just looked up on one of my famous, or one of my favorite, excuse me, not famous, websites called The Sack Race. And the bet victor next Cardiff City manager is Mick McCarthy at 8 to 13. Um, Mark Bowen, 8 to 1. Craig Bellamy, 12 to 1. Paul Cook, 14 to 1. And then down here at 20 to 1, Mark Hughes. Hey, bring him on. Bring him on. Oh, gosh. That is a long exactly. Like a long list I was going to say the same thing, Greg. I don't know. I feel like usually I'm like, okay, this manager is someone they'll consider. I feel like this year, this entire year, when a manager gets axed, I have no idea who's going to come in after after Chris Hooten got picked up. <laughs> so Tony Poulos. He's Welsh. He's Welsh. He's got to be in there. Oh man, surely. Tony Poulos. Um, I mean, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a dark horse um, in there. With Sean Morrison retiring his playing career and using those <laughs> luscious locks to join uh, Gareth Ainsworth in the managerial uh, career. Oh, a, a double header, wow. 
uh, a double hat. Play manager, header. why not? Um, yeah, it's just a really interesting. Uh, really if you interesting if you really want to know an, an interesting that, development, Charlie Austin returning to QPR. Charlie, welcome back to the championship, bud. Uh, I do have a soft spot in my heart for a Mr. Charlie Austin. He was the first player that I ever enjoyed watching um, play soccer. So, Charlie, welcome back. Mm. I hope you perform well, except against Burrow. Yeah, I think he can do well yeah, in the championship. Likewise. I have a question for hit you. Hit us. Guys. Hit it. We're past halfway point of the season. Let's look at the goalkeeper situation. What does Burra do with their loaned goalkeeper who has done great this year, Bettinelli? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? Do you think there's anything that could happen with that? Or do you think it's just going to be a one season loan and then he's back to London? Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose we'd have to understand how his contract is currently with Fulham because I can't see him going back to. To Fulham, you know, they just signed Ariola, who's a you know Former a long term. You know, he's a he's a, he was a really gr- yep. g- great goalkeeper in he yeah is on loan, in, though. in, in, in France, mind. and you know he is on loan. But again, it's one of those where it's like hey, he's on loan with an option to buy or whatever it is. And I think you know it's a it's another you know it's another head scratch away if he's enjoying it and you know his you know if he's got a family and whatnot and they're settled here and. You know, he doesn't miss the bright lights in the big city of London. Not that you can go out and do anything in London these days with all the lockdowns, but, you know, essentially it's going to be a long-term thing whereby, you know, my my biggest concern is that somebody comes in and tries to get him in the transfer window hmm. and then we're kind of I like think without a goalkeeper. So, bringing him um, on, it depends on how the season goes. In my eyes. He has been good, but I also he's been, I also he's been question good. is he's it that good. the goalkeeper's good or the defense in front of him is good? Because there have been times where I'm like, I think you should have saved a shot. And has it? Yeah, I was gonna say combo. Yeah, so I think it's a combination just, of the two. He's only worth <laughs> yeah, keeping think, around if you're also in my eyes, if you also are going to keep around that front line. And, like, depending on where we end, like, so if this season ends up and we make it to the playoffs and we don't finish, yeah. I think Neil Warnock will stay. I think Bettinelli will stay. If we make it to the playoffs and we go up, Bettinelli will probably stay, but we'll probably snag a different goalkeeper in my eyes. Um, if we don't finish in either of those two scenarios and we aren't, like, very close to, to, to playoff push, I don't know if he's worth the money. I don't know. So, so it says it says his uh, contract expires um, this year, uh, May thirty first, twenty twenty one. That's interesting. So he might be available. Yeah, he might be available to. I would be on okay a free with transfer so, soon. I will say, Greg, um, uh, when does the prem season season end? Because my thought process was before you provided that juicy information was if Fulham gets relegated, I feel like it's more likely for him to go back to Fulham. Mm-hmm. But now that he's out of contract, I don't know now. I Yeah. I mean obviously his value is gonna is gonna keep dropping because yep. obviously they don't have to buy his contract out, you know, essentially. Um so I think 
you know, his performances have been good enough to, you know, if he wants to stay and Warnock's happy for him to come and he wants to stay, I think, you know, it would be a good, another good player. Because, yeah, I mean, he's still fairly young, 28. Many for years goalkeeper. for a goalkeeper. He's just well, starting uh, to his prime. Final match day is the 23rd. Yeah. That's um, May. Yes. Okay. So he'll have seven days. Wow. Of May. Seven days. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's the end of May and, you know, if you if you if he doesn't get offered a new contract and you know Borough want to sign him, then chances are he'll just you know I think after six between now and the end of the season, I think technically you're a you're a free agent. Um, you know you can sign for any any team if you agree a contract because your your contract's not protected to six months before it expires. So um, no, I think it would be a good it would be a good I think sign. It, I think it would I think as well. Been, uh, he's been um, good. Um, and then my next question, if we're talking contracts, y'all, it's, it's, it seems like Neil is pretty calm about this, but what do we do with Britt? I, I think he's going to go. Freeze up cap space. Not that there's like cap space mm-hmm. in the championship, but I think he his wage bill is too high. His wage bill is too. He's on big wages. He's on big money. So it's time big money. Uh, to use an earlier call out to AFTV. It's time to go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we paid fifteen million pounds for him when we signed him. Um, that was a lot of money for the. Yeah, that's a bit. That's a big. That's a lot of money. Know, you know, I he. To me, Brit is. I mean, that's our. I know another palace reference. Sorry, y'all. He's kind of like, almost like how I feel about Mamadou Sacco, where I really like him and he can be yeah. such a good player. Yeah, but he, I think Sacco's on our either second or third highest wages. We just got rid of another high wager, Max Meyer. Yeah. I wanted it to work out. It didn't work out. So, uh, he just oh did not God, fit yeah. in the well, prim. He did not Meyer. fit in with Roy. And I know a lot of Palace fans are like, he needed more of a chance. I don't know. When I saw him, I just feel like he got pushed off the ball. Anyway, with Sacco, I really love him as a player. And when he is fit and on his game, I think he can be a tremendous defender. But he's injured all the time. He is on enormous wages. Yeah, and I just think if I'm looking at this Palace team, any transfer window Zaha could go. And we need some wages to bring in players like we brought in Eze. This summer, good timing. So, yeah, mm-hmm. good so yeah, I he's, feel like the kind of the same way with Sacco as I do with Britt. Like, I want them to do great. I do like them when they're on their game, but it's just way too much wage bill. Yeah, I can't see him sticking around. In all honesty, I just don't think he's he's done enough to earn a you know to earn another to earn another contract. And you know, I think he's just you know he's probably just. Playing his his gotcha. his last game, you know, at the end of the season, and I mean, he may be, he may be, and don't, I mean, don't, don't quote me, but he may get offered a, a much reduced, you know, contract mm-hmm. because obviously the clubs are hurting, right? So, um, you know, if that's something that happens, then he may be able to stick around, but um, I just don't see him, I don't see him getting offered a, a similar contract with uh, definitely. Yeah. With as much speaking you know, money. of funds, I kind of wanted to talk about some some news that I've seen lately. Uh, fears raised in the championship over several clubs that have done some dealings with a company called MSD Capital. 
uh, MSD Capital is said to have invested, um, you know, a, a fair amount of money in several clubs such as Derby, Southampton, Burnley, and Sunderland. Now, under the terms of said loan agreements, basically they are allowed to gain control of clubs that fail to keep up with the repayment of the loans. Now, give you a ballpark figure. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's uh, like the mafia. So, from what it looks like, Derby <laughs> have borrowed around thirty million pounds over five years at an interest rate of nine percent. For my math folks out there, I'm sure you already know what that number is. I certainly don't. That being said, the security <laughs> that Darby was using uh, was was that was agreed upon by Mel Morris, which is offered up Pride Park, their training ground, and shares in the club as his security. If he fails to pay, they will collect on all three of those items and effectively own Darby County. My question is, what are you guys' thoughts, um, not necessarily about the Derby situation, but all of this, you know, foreign investment that's coming in, you know, to championship sides, League One sides, League Two sides, and, and, and playing, you know, basically creating an environment where clubs spend, 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 but it's not sustainable? Yeah, it's, it's worrying for sure. Um think that shows you just what a position some of these these teams are in i think crystal palace has been kind of similar in that extent you know they've got good good foreign investment but you know they don't seem like they're going to be you know hurting because they're in the premier league right so they can kind of afford that but you know derby they just sold their the ground to mel morris you know kind of you know very very quest yeah, questionable. Cook the books exactly. You know that was very recently, and they obviously. What did they do with that money? I don't know. Did they pay away Rooney's yeah. salary with just that one one sale? For you know, I, I just you, you got to look at it and think like, what sort of business decisions are they making where they had to go and borrow, you know, thirty million from an American, you know, hedge fund essentially. Um, it's it, it it's worrying, and I think the, the the Premier League or the sorry the Football League, the AFL. And the Premier League need to get back together and sort out some kind of package here because they're losing or risking losing, you know, these teams to, you know, essentially just businessmen who, you know, maybe have, you know, they may be honest businessmen, but I, I doubt it. I mean, they, they're lending money to, to, to franchises. They're obviously trying to start some kind of investment, right? If they've got money to invest a, a football team, you know, in England is, you know, it can easily go south. And if you kind of end up like you do with Sunderland where, you know, Ella Shaw, the, the American businessman, spent a lot of money with with the team, and then just kind left of got like, sick of it. Uh, a Netflix documentary that you see, yeah. You know, on the Sunderland till I die. Exactly, and no one wants to see that. As much as everyone hates Derby, um, you know, people don't want to see clubs that are you know English institutions and are the kind of heart and soul of the town and the city. You know, going you know going to the dogs, as they say, um, it's just not a good. It's not a good business for for you know for the brand, and it's not a good thing for the for the game. If it has to happen, so be it. But there should be a lot more you know people taking a look at this and scrutinising it, um, because clubs lend money all the time and borrow money all the time. I should say, but to you know have that risk of losing everything is always there. I just don't know how it's any different from you know, taking it from a bank if they get wound up and they go into administration. 
that's the end of the team anyway. So it's it's a it's a precedent. Yeah, I definitely Stanley don't want to see another. I know it's a little bit different in the leagues. I don't want to see another uh, mm. Bury situation. Um, I know just the massive impact of that club folding had to the fans and the community. Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. Macclesfield was another team that um, initially got got wound up, um, and they're a you know they were a fairly fairly yeah. well you know well recognized team you know they never won any major tournaments or anything like that but they were you know they are mm-hmm. and it's just um, um so. i just think i just feel like and greg you could probably speak on this more but <laughs> just from what i've heard from some palace fans on twitter which don't take take twitter with a grain of salt and just especially arsenal fans um there's some um, some interesting opinions on american owners/investors in england and a lot of it I agree with. I just feel like Americans and yeah. sports, it's all about the money. It's it's not about, you know, what it actually yep. means to the community and to the club. Um, I mean, I think about it. I went to a Premier League game 2017, West Brom versus Palace, and it was substantially cheaper than going to a DC United MLS game in the old RFK Stadium. So I just think, you know. I mean, we all know that, you know, know. that DC United is – the preeminent it's, it's tough. soccer power. <laughs> oh, yeah. You'll have to explain gotcha. that. For yeah. the, the so, um, DC United, Washington, DC. Um, that's the club up there. Their new stadium is now in Maryland, like every other Washington, DC team. But um, yeah, they're one of the founders. I think they have four championships. So, they haven't won one in a while, but they are an MLS club who have always been in the top division because there's no relegation. That's another <laughs> conversation for another time. But, <laughs> but yeah, so I just, I just always <laughs> found it amazing how I went to an English Premier game, Premier League game, you know, the top league in the world, some would say, and it was cheaper than going to an MLS game just on a random Saturday night against Orlando City where there's maybe – under there's probably under ten thousand people there. Yeah, I think the the slight differences is you know I think in the U.S. you know technically we kind of earn earn more money because our taxes are lower and therefore that kind of you get you know there's mm-hmm. a certain element of mm-hmm. you know how the how the dollar goes uh, uh, it goes further until you actually start calculating things and work out you know everybody's kind of paying the same it just it just depends how much you've got in your pocket versus how much they give you and then they take it away from you later on so um but no i mean i think you know investment in in the game is good we need it but i think the premier league really needs to stand up and and work with the football league and and make sure that there aren't you know dodgy dealings like the the wigan the wigan deal that went that went bad and put them to administration which ultimately relegated them you know, and you're not just looking at you know relegation. You're looking at relegation, losing your players. Um, you know, you're looking at just more than you know because players come and go. You know, managers come and go, but the club is is there, and the fans are always there. They they don't they don't leave the team. Um, and when you lose something like a like a club that you followed for a long time. You know, it it can be you know it's gone through a breakup. It can be emotionally you know exhausting, and it's sad. You have memories. Um, you know, it's 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 tough. So they really need to make it's sure true. that the proper, proper tests that they're carrying out 
talking know, about emotional breaks yeah. and yeah. things that will always be there. This podcast will always be there for our fellow bros. <laughs> but I do think it is that time for an emotional break. Gonna have to uh, hit you all. Seventh you both. Stretch. Steven, thank you for joining us. Follow him at slemons02. I believe I got that correct. Uh, and follow us at Middlesbrough Pod. We are 10 followers shy of 300. So, folks, please smash that follow button. Guys, up the borough. Cheers, mates. Up the borough. Yeah. Up the borough. See y'all. Bye, lads. Get off.